I'm Andrea Hope, and this is To Mother. Episode 48, Refugee Families. Hey lovelies, this is Andrea Hope, a poet, a wife, a mother, and a Baha'i, and this is my podcast to mother where I share my recommendations and insights about parenting with purpose in the modern world. So I share some quotes from the Baha'i writings that inspire me, some practical tips and resources, and sometimes my poetry. It is officially time for school-aged children to go back to school, so that means that my summer break is over and I am back with you talking about current events and Baha'i activities from the perspective of the writings and of just living the life daily as a Baha'i mom. So if it is your first time tuning in, thank you for coming. And if you've listened before, welcome back to you. Welcome back to me. Here we are. If you listened to my last episode where I announced my summer break, I talked about preparing a summer teaching campaign, which we did do in my neighborhood. And I would like to share my reflections on that campaign. But I felt like part of the reason I started this podcast was for me to reflect on what's going on in the world and how I'm fulfilling the Baha'i principles in my life. And so I think it's always important for me to try to talk about what's most on my heart and what's most in my mind. And right now, given the situation, particularly in Afghanistan, I've been thinking a lot about refugee families and of course about violence and different ideologies and movements in the world. But I thought it would be great to dedicate an episode to some reflections on the situation to the best of what I can provide. So the backstory is, of course, we heard about the Taliban taking over Afghanistan very quickly in a matter of months after the United States said that it was going to pull out of the area, pull the troops and everyone out of that area. And so it's caused a lot of chaos because there are a lot of Afghan people who feel that they have to leave because of the way that the Taliban rules the country. The Taliban has promised that it's going to be more peaceful and more supportive of uh, civilians, but there's a lot of Afghans. You, you can see pictures where you know people are trying to hang from planes, and there's a lot of desperation about what this means for women, for families, and just what it means in terms of the progress that has been made over the last 20 years in Afghanistan. I'm not an expert on any of these things, and I'm not going to in any way pretend to be or try to give any information that I don't know about. What I'm going to give is my perspective as a everyday person, mother in the United States, reacting to these things and thinking about how she can help and how the principles of the faith are going to apply to this situation. These situations can be really overwhelming and you can feel helpless and you can feel like it's just the luck of the draw that someone was born in Afghanistan and I was born in the United States. And what does that mean? And you can feel guilt and you can feel all these emotions. And so that's what I wanted to really talk about. I mean, one of the emotions I used to feel when I was younger was guilt. And I have experienced also feeling right now helplessness. And I think in a way it's uh, good to feel those ways because you feel connected to other people and you feel like maybe there's something that I can do. Maybe there's something that is pulling you to say we're all united and what does that mean in action? So I decided to look into the Baha'i writings about refugees. So I found a quote from Baha'u'llah that I would like to share. O king of the age, the eyes of these refugees are turned towards and fixed upon the mercy of the most merciful. No doubt is there whatever that these tribulations will be followed by the outpourings of a supreme mercy and that these dire adversities will be succeeded by an overflowing prosperity. We fain would hope, however, 
that His Majesty the Shah will himself examine these matters and bring hope to the hearts. That which we have submitted to Thy Majesty is indeed for Thine highest good, and God, verily, is a sufficient witness unto me. One more time. O King of the Age, the eyes of these refugees are turned towards and fixed upon the mercy of the Most Merciful. No doubt is there whatever that these tribulations will be followed by the outpourings of a supreme mercy, and these dire adversities will be succeeded by an overflowing prosperity. We fain would hope, however, that His Majesty the Shah will himself examine these matters and bring hope to the hearts. That which we have submitted to Thy Majesty is indeed for Thine highest good, and God verily is a sufficient witness unto me. So a few things that I felt were important about this quote is that it does talk about refugees being reliant on God for being the most merciful and to be assured, you know, no doubt that these adversities will eventually end and to have trust and faith in God, even through the most dire circumstances. We have a lot of history of refugees and fleeing from violence that's still happening for the Baha'is who are in Iran. There's a lot of history related to religious persecution and, you know, trying to find your way in new lands and being exiled and things like that. So I thought it was important that one, this quote talks about the need for refugees to trust in God and to know that tribulations will be followed by supreme mercy. And at the same time, Baha'u'llah says, that the majesty of the Shah will himself examine these matters and bring hope to the hearts. This is the thing that really stuck out to me because sometimes when we talk about difficulties, we get in the tendency to just talk about prayer. Okay, well, we're gonna pray for them. I hope everything works out. And that's with refugee situations, violence, that's with all kind of difficult situations. We seep ourselves in prayer, which is an important thing. Gratitude, prayer, hopefulness. But there's this second part where Baha'u'llah asks that the Shah examine the matters and bring hope to the hearts, which means that there are things that people can also do to help alleviate sufferings from others and that those should be done, those should be examined. And so that's twofold, right? Yeah, it's a responsibility for me if I'm going through a really huge tribulation to trust in God. Also, the responsibility for us as humans to examine situations and see what can be done to alleviate suffering and to bring hope to hearts. Now, of course, he's talking to a government official. So my understanding of this would be very different if I was a government official um, because my power, my influence, my connections would be different. But I do feel like that idea also applies to us as everyday believers because there's so much in the writings about being a haven for people for causing joy to the heart and so just thinking about this idea of yes i'll pray for the refugees and i pray for their strength and you know afghanistan really made me think about this for this episode but of course syria for years now has had a high number of refugees leaving Venezuela, Sudan. So I'm using this in the context of Afghanistan because it's been in the news and on my heart, but obviously this is gonna apply to many different situations. This is something that I wanted to think about. I wanted to think about how do I have this balance of being firm and trusting in God and his plan and that things will be okay and that the human spirit is resilient, but also knowing that part of that journey is people like me 
doing what we can to make it a more peaceful transition. I believe as a Baha'i, either way, people are going to learn lessons that bring them closer to God. Think about the quality of men and women and freedom from prejudice. These are lessons that we're learning over and over again through great conflict or through connection. So either way, we're learning those lessons about how we really are connected to each other, what a society looks like and how it benefits or doesn't benefit when women are treated as less equal. So those things will come. So I'm hoping to be a part of that integration, that joy and connection. And one of the things that made me feel helpless when I was talking earlier about being helpless was this idea that so much of our society is based on money. And I think, you know, that's true. That's just the reality of the situation. But I have never lived my life in a way that my purpose was based in how much I could afford or, you know, how much I was making. I worked for nonprofits. Now I stay home with my two toddlers and I work for a nonprofit still a part time. So it's really difficult for me sometimes in modern world to find my purpose and my value in difficult situations where I don't have money to give. If you do have the means to give extra, that's great. And everyone that's gonna be different according to your situation. I think a lot of us in the Western world probably do because we can look around our house or look at our list of things that we want to buy and say, okay, maybe some of these things are not so essential. You know, some, some of these things I can give up in order to support a fund or refugees um, or things like that. So I think for the majority of Westerners, that probably is the case. So there is a fund, a relief fund, that has been set up by the National Spiritual Assembly of the United States. There's one for Afghanistan and one for Haiti right now. So if you feel inclined to give in that way, there is that opportunity. But I wanted to make my living the life tip about something that you could do besides praying that doesn't necessarily involve having a lot of extra money. And I was purposely looking into things that could be done that didn't involve just giving money. And some of the things I looked at talked about just bringing attention to the situation. You can write to your politicians and tell them about your concern and what you think should happen. That can be difficult sometimes for us as Baha'is because we stay out of bipartisan politics and we don't really know the answers a lot of times when you're in a different country and you're seeing what's on the news but you're not hearing what the everyday people want or you know what the everyday challenges are so sometimes i can also feel hesitant to be like well am i going to write to a politician or write to an organization about something that i don't really know much about like i would really have to look into it and see you know why are people saying the things that they're saying and am i writing something that's consistent with my belief as a Baha'i, that people can be protagonist in their own story and that we shouldn't just go in and say, okay, well, I know it's best for this situation because I'm a Westerner or because whatever reasons that we give ourselves. So not saying that you shouldn't write, but just to be very mindful and just to acknowledge that I know that's difficult for some people because they don't want to get involved in the politics of it and they don't feel that they know enough. Um, so the other thing that I was turning to was the refugee situation because I think turning towards refugees is something that we can be involved in as a humanitarian effort outside of what your politics are. Whatever the situation is with Afghanistan, whoever should be ruling it, whatever the principles involved, the truth of the situation, like the ob objective truth, is that there are people who feel so concerned fearful, 
hopeless about staying in a nation under the Taliban rule that they were willing to hold on to planes, that they are crowding themselves into the city where there's an international airport to get out. People are saying, we have to get out of here to feel safe. You know, this is a thing we have to think about. If you speak uh, Persian or Arabic or something like that, to leave your country to go somewhere where they don't speak that language or that's far away or to leave your business. Sometimes we also think that refugees are these people who were really poor and difficult circumstances and they had to leave their country. And of course, there are refugees like that. But there are also the refugees who had a business in Iran, the Baha'is, you know, they had businesses, they were doctors, they were in all parts of life. Now, none of these people are more important or significant than the other, but I just want to point out that refugees come from all statuses. These are people who have been involved in journalism and law and medicine and schools, and they just feel like because of the principles that they have or what they've done in the country or what they would like to see in the country, it would be better for them to leave than to risk what might happen to them. So what we can do that doesn't necessarily involve money is to welcome refugees locally. So I got an email from this parenting group that I'm in, someone in the parenting group, that said that my city has been identified as one of the cities where refugees from Afghanistan will be coming. And there was a call for furniture and different things, housing, if you have extra housing that you can offer to the refugee families. But within that is also uh, helping move things, you know, so maybe one person is working on collecting furniture donations and things like that. And then more people will be involved in moving that stuff and setting up the home, designing a home, thinking about what needs are for once you have an assigned family. Okay, for their different age groups, what are the needs? And so that's something that I'm hoping to be a part of. There's a lot of places like Facebook and Nextdoor, and I'm sure you know different apps where you can see what neighbors have available. A lot of people are giving stuff away. They'll leave it on their porch or in their yard, and you can coordinate collecting things that a family might need. And I will know as a mother, okay, if I get a family that has a two-year-old, that's gonna be quite different in terms of the extra things you need for children than a family that has a 12-year-old. And so I think looking in your city and seeing if refugees are going to be welcomed there, and if not, why not? <laughs> um, and if it's, you know, a city over or, you know, somewhere else in your state, thinking about what are the ways that they could be welcomed. So that could be down the line, continuing to visit with people helping them out to figure out, you know, school situation or even groceries or, you know, whatever the case may be. You could think of anyone who's moving to a brand new area would benefit from neighbors and families saying, hey, oh, let me recommend this school to you or trying to help them get signed up for a listserv or trying to help find people who speak their language that they can connect to or can work as translators. I just think that this is a really meaningful way that's person to person, that's I see you as a human and I see what your need is. So that's my living the life tip. <laughs> Try to welcome your refugees locally, find organizations that work with refugees in your city or your state and see what you can do to be part of a healthy and loving transition and welcome for them in the community. Ooh, that could even mean being at the airport with a welcome sign when you know that they're arriving. Just make them feel even welcome in the land. I, I, I listened to some video on YouTube where a refugee was talking about that from another country who was saying that's really what gave them hope that they were safe now and that things were gonna be okay, was that 
welcome that says, hey, we're happy that you're here with us. So my resource along with that is gonna be Instagram and Twitter. The majority of people I think are on social media. I actually don't have a personal Twitter or Instagram account, but I have an Instagram account linked to my nonprofit work. And one of the best things about Instagram and Twitter is that you can follow everyday people. You just have more access. Now, of course, we have to give due respect to journalists and, and experts in their field. But I really, really enjoy the fact that in Instagram and Twitter and these social media outlets, we get more access to everyday people and their stories. And so, of course, keeping up with the news, something that you can do along with that is to follow hashtags. So, for example, stand with Afghanistan is a hashtag that you could use that a lot of youth would be using to share their stories. Of course, some of them are going to be in a language that you can't read if you only speak English. But there's also people who make posts or they'll put a translation in English. Save Syria is another one. And yeah, if you have other ones, definitely you can share them with me. But yeah, if you put save or stand with, that's a great way to find the voices of people who want to be heard. So along those lines, instead of sharing my own poem today, I have decided to raise the voice of someone who is from Afghanistan. So this person is named Roya Hedari, and she is a photojournalist and a storyteller from Afghanistan. And she wrote a post August 7th about how she was feeling. So I'm gonna read that in closing. Oh, I also wanna say before I ended that, she did decide to leave Afghanistan because she felt like she could do more outside of Afghanistan than staying. So this was her post from August 7th. Working as an artist or photojournalist in Afghanistan's current situation is not easy. You have to put aside fear and threats because you knew the life you chose. Preferring to escape in such critical situations is not an option. Your heart tells you to stay and echo the voice of the vulnerable and paint a vivid picture of the situation as it unfolds. These are the days when your heart is about to explode from the pain and grief. You encounter scene where you feel like you are collecting pieces of yourself from the street after an explosion. You feel tired as if days and months wouldn't be enough to recollect yourself. You feel worried for yourself, for your family, for your people, for your land that is your home. Standing tall during these are difficult. In the past few years, you have laid plenty of your friends to the ground to rest. You have been patient and tried to stay strong in the face of injustice while protesting and fighting. I want to stay in my home, in my land. Raise your voice with me against the injustice against my people and my land. Your voice will become mine, and our voices of protest against the injustice will help millions of us. To Mother is an individual initiative and provides only the personal reflections and insights of its creator. That's me. For more information about the Baha'i faith, including access to the official writings and contacts for Baha'is in your community, please visit Baha'i.org.